Friday, May 6th, just baseball show wrapping it up. We are, we, we're what, a day shy of a month into the MLB regular season? Day shy of a month. Opening day was April 7th. It is May 6th, and we have the Just Baseball Month Awards. I'm so excited. <laughs> I don't think we're going to do this every month. I think we're going to do it the first month, and then we'll do it, you know, maybe all-star break and then, and then postseason. But, yeah, we're doing uh, awards for the first month. So we've got, you know, your classic awards, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, and then we've got other, award, other awards that we kind of made up. It's the three of us, Jack McMullen, Peter Apple, Aram Layton. I, we just teased um, our video editor extraordinaire, Ben Bellotti, before we actually started rolling on this. The Red Sox are, the wheels are off, man. The wheels are entirely off the bus. What the hell is going on with them? I mean, we we did just kind of, we, we bagged on them a lot for their offense. And then the next day they go face Shohei Otani. But Shohei Otani is not that great on the road. And he absolutely shut them down down arm were, were you in on that show otani game it, it was it was fun to watch otani pitch that way but i also think there's just a level of confidence if you're pitching against the red Sox right now it just you can attack them and and it's it's one of those things i think is just contagious right it's it's not like they have a shortage of, of talent I, I think there's some holes in the lineup but it just seems like the the pressure is mounting on a lot of these hitters and they just don't look good they don't look good the, the one that was crazy was was the game, was it two days, three days ago, I guess, by the time that this was released, where the Red Sox finally have the lead. Uh, our own Colby Olsen's taking the victory lap on Twitter. Yep. And Hansel Robles comes in and just blows it. And then they give up six runs in the in the 10th. And it was just like, this is, this is a team that looks really lost, has no identity. And good news for them is it's early in the season. Uh, the one thing I want to say is I want to do the awards again, 60 games into the season. And make it the 2020 awards, like basically the same thing, just to hammer home the point of how much the season changes. Because the next time we do this, so much is going to change from these quote unquote awards, which are really just for fun. And then I would love to see from the 60 game mark onto the end of the season, how different it'll be again, uh, because it really is such a marathon in Major League Baseball. Right. Is Jose Abreu going to be AL MVP at the, at the 60 game marker? He might no, we do have some MVPs here. We got some songs. I like that we did. We have MVP. We have LVP, which is the least valuable player in that all would make of baseball. Sense, yeah. yeah. We have the Cy Young, of course. And we haven't figured out a good name for the L Cy Young. So we're just going to call it the L Young for now until <laughs> you have a better idea of what to call it, Jack. How about the L Bozo Young, comma, ratio, hashtag, yeah. eat it? L for plus the kids. ratio plus comma. Young, yeah, more. yes, yeah. You like that? Do you want to add a couple more words to it? Um, and then we're gonna do rookie of the year as well. Um, we're rookie gonna of the do month. what else? Rookie Best of the month. <laughs> we're doing rookie of the month, 
And then we're doing the best team in baseball and the worst team in baseball. And then we have the Aaron Nola award, which is the pitcher that has the highest discrepancy between their FIP and their ERA. And Arm actually came up with the Aaron Nola award. It's a good idea. There we go. I, I, just, I felt like we had to do that one. <laughs> I love that. So we'll start. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So we'll, these are the just baseball awards. The MVP in all of baseball for the month of April is Manny Machado. He leads the league in F war. He leads in hits and he's slashing 365, 436, 594 slugging with a 1,030 OPS. And our finalists for the award are Mike Trout, Nolan Arenado, and Jose Ramirez. Gentlemen, what do we think? How good is Manny Machado fan? I mean, I, I'm, I've always just really enjoyed Machado. I talked about like Arenado and Machado were two of my favorite being a third baseman when I played. So I just watched their highlight reels all day. Uh, but what Machado is doing at the plate to, to fill the void for Fernando Tatis, we talk about the narrative of the MVP, right? As much as people like to pretend the, the narrative isn't there. Through this first month, the Padres needed Machado to be like this, right? They needed him to be unconscious, this whole month to, to try to stay afloat while Trent Christian struggles, while they try to figure out what they're going to do with like Will Myers and some of these other pieces. And of course, with Fernando Tatis out. So Machado for me right now, hundred percent most valuable player through the first month of the season. Yeah. I like, I like that we're doing most valuable and not best because I don't think Machado has been the best player uh, on this list. I think that he's been the most valuable because they, hmm. they needed him with Tatis on the men. Uh, but I think Arenado has been the best player in baseball. I, I do. I think that, you know, I, I don't think, I know this, Machado's hitting 365, Arenado 360. So that's a five-point discrepancy there. Um, Arenado is just an objectively better power hitter through the first month of the season, too. He's got more homers. He's second in Major League Baseball in RBIs. Machado's not in the top 10. Um, you know, you look at OPS, Arenado and Mike Trout are the two with an OPS over 1,100, and Machado is sixth in baseball in OPS. So Arenado, I think, has been a better player. He's been a better hitter, and we know what Arenado can do defensively. But for what the Padres needed out of Manny Machado, they got it and more, and that's why he is the most valuable so far. It should go to show, too, that um, Machado does lead in war, and that defense from Machado so far, 98th percentile now, it's above average. He's been maybe the best overall defender in baseball this year so far, and the hitting stats are so close to Arenado. They're really right there, in my opinion, that I thought giving it to Machado was the answer. But how about Mike Trout? Amazing. When he's healthy, it's like... I wouldn't say anyone forgot how good he is. It's just one of those things where when you're not reminded every single day, uh, you, you become a little bit desensitized to how great he is. It's a joke uh, how good he is. And I could watch that guy hit all day. It, one of the ABs that he had in that, in that comeback against the Red Sox really stood out to me. Sometimes it's, it's not just what he does when he hits the ball, because that is obviously insane, but what he does when he's not chasing. I mean, like he's taking balls that are maybe two inches off the plate and doesn't, doesn't expand the zone at all. I mean, like, it, it is so impressive, and, and he's really just continuing to do more of the same. 224 WRC plus is a freaking joke. Yeah, mm -hmm. game moves slowly for him, right? You, it looks you, like the ball is coming in in slow-mo. Like, he, 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 like, already knows it's a ball. He's, like, giving up on it when it's halfway there. You see the way that the game speeds up on some other guys, and, I mean, look in that Angels outfield. Joe Adele just got sent down. Brandon Marsh can't hit anything no. right now, no. literally anything. 
but the ball is still moving in slow motion and the game of baseball is still moving in slow motion for Mike Trout. So I'm not saying that Adele and Marsh need to be at at Trout's level because Taylor Ward is already doing that. Um, But (laughs) Trout is like, he's just so far and away one of the most talented players in baseball and still the best. And he just Mm -hmm. has to stay healthy. He just has to stay healthy. And then the last, the last finalist is Jose Ramirez leading the league in RBIs. He is just incredible. And (laughs) He, he's really leading this Guardians offense because I know Stephen Kwan has been great too. And there's, you know, Miles Straw has been good as a table setter, but he's been a bit injured. I know, I think he had a COVID bout, um, but he's currently out right now. But Jose Ramirez leading the league in RBI switch hitter. He could win the MVP this year too. I wouldn't be totally shocked if he did. I, what's crazy with Ramirez is 29 driven in. Nobody else on the team has more than 13. So yeah. the second, the second most RBI would, by the way, is Andre Jimenez, who's been phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, he looks really good, but more walks than strikeouts. He's hitting for power. He's doing everything you could possibly want uh, from a player. I mean, Jose Ramirez, you could easily make the case. One of the most well-rounded players in baseball, if not the. Well, have you noticed that pitchers just stopped throwing to J-Ram? It's not that J-Ram's gotten colder. It's that he is literally not getting any pitches to hit after he started hitting like yeah, 450. Let Owen Miller keep beating you for now. And then, you know, eventually it's like, who, who else is going to get you? You know, I'm Ed Rosario, who's been good too, but like, I'll take my chances there. And there's yeah. also not a lot of hitters in baseball that have a higher line drive rate than fly ball rate and ground ball rate. Like he's a guy who hits more line drives more often than not which is just unbelievable squares everything up literally squares everything up anything else before we move on to the lvp who did we say had a swing that was similar to jose ramirez um i we were talking about it on the call up it wasn't us it was the mlb network draft breakdown of of this guy's swing against jrem he was in our top 50 do you remember who i'm talking about no (laughs) damn all right i'll find it i'll find it and i'll have that eureka moment but yeah let's move on the LVP, the finalists for the LVP are Whit Merrifield, number one, Fran Mill Reyes, number two, Nelson Cruz, number three. But the ultimate LVP of baseball so far through the month of April is Joey Votto. I mean, Joey Votto has the worst F war in all of baseball at negative 1.1. Remember, we're just a month into the season and he's already above a win below average. He's slashing 122. 278 so i guess he's still walking technically but the thing is 135 slugging he has one extra base hit this year no home runs one double joey Votto, arum what's going on with him dude i'm scared i i I really am nervous because this is one where it's like he he did go to the il so like we'll see you know we'll see what the deal is hopefully he's it's weird to say this, but like, hopefully he was kind of hurt to start the year. Like that, that's honestly what I'm hoping because otherwise this man's cooked. I think he's on the COVID IL. I think it was COVID. I I don't think it was an injury thing. I was hoping they were like, oh yeah, nagging like hip issue or something like that or shoulder issue. It it looks bad. It looks bad. Like he he was, he was really good last year. Uh, But man, it's concerning when, when you are just not hitting the ball hard, you just look overmatched. It just, he looks like a 38-year-old out there, and uh, hopefully he can break out of it. But there's not even really been many signs of life from I have Joey a question. Votto. I have a question for you guys. Joey Votto, career, 300 batting average right now. So his career batting average at 
300. His OBP is 414. I think his slugging is 526. I'm not sure if it's exactly that, but I know his slugging is over 500. And he, if he finished out his career, if he retired today, he'd be one of 19 players who have hit 300, 400, 500. They have that slash line for their career. If you're Joey Votto, do you retire? No. <laughs> no. You pull the Jose Reyes, lay down the bunt for say, a hit. All right. And what? then pull what? yourself out. They are three and 22. Actually, they're three and 21. It's in the top of the eighth inning. It's Milwaukee eight, Reds five. They're more likely than not going to lose this game. They're three and 22. They're going for one of the worst records ever. He's 38 years old. What's the point? Um, the point is so you can stay off of TikTok for as long as possible because yes. Joey Votto's TikToks are brutal. But the thing is, they're three and zero when he makes TikToks, and I think they're zero and twenty when he doesn't. <laughs> so I'm make more kidding. TikToks. That's Joey like Votto. not a joke. That's not even a joke either. That's like that's, that's tracked. That's a legit stat. That's a legit that's thing. God. Joey Seriously. Votto on TikTok days. Joey Votto I, on normal. I can't days. wait for Peter to tail the Reds. Everyone's like, "What's wrong, it, it, Peter? You made a mistake. You meant to to pick the team they're playing." He's, he's yeah. like, "No, no, I don't put Votto. out a TikTok." He danced to a little <laughs> viral song, so now the Reds are locked and they win by um, five. Yeah, Votto is 300 flat, 415, 516. He's got a career 931 OPS. Um, no, but he's not the type to, to lay down and say, like, I need to end with this. How many career homers did A-Rod finish with? Was it like 697? 696. 696. And, and, and the Yankees forced him out. <laughs> yeah, they forced him out. That wasn't his. I'm just saying, if I'm, if I'm Joey Votto, I'm sitting at home right now thinking, what am I even doing? what's the point? I could retire right now and be 300, 400, 500 for my career. But if he doesn't, he drops like 298. He's not in that category. Anymore. No, and he, and he sucks. He officially sucks. Yeah, he officially no, but You know career. Hall of Fame voters will then hold that against him, just similar to the Fred McGriff not getting to that certain home run threshold. I feel like they might hold it against him if he's not 300, 400, 500, because he is kind of fringe. I think we've made this very clear. Hall of Fame voters are idiots. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that they aren't. I'm just... <laughs> I'm saying what the reality of baseball is. Um, also, you want a good laugh? Uh, I found who um, I, it was ESPN and MLB Network for for last year's draft. They comped Khalil Watson's swing to Jose Ramirez's swing. Oh, oh God! Yeah, I mean, it, Khalil it, Watson it, is raking. It's because of the crazy bat speed, but yeah, that there's a reason why that one did not stick in my brain. Uh, yeah. I totally forgot about about <laughs> you bringing that one up. Yeah, no. Fair. So what, and also, so let's go over some of the finalists real quick. I mean, Whit Merrifield has been one of the worst hitters in all of baseball. No doubt about it. He's slashing like 100, 200, 100, one of those types of slash lines. I mean, all these guys are basically 100, 200, 100 slash lines. And Fran Mel Reyes has one of the worst WRC pluses in baseball. And Nelson Cruz ranks second to last in F war. All four of these guys have just been dreadful. It's not just Joey Votto and then everybody else. Whit Merrifield has been almost as bad. Fran Mel Reyes, you could have made the argument that he's actually the winner. And you could have made the argument that Nelson Cruz is also the winner. These All three of these guys have had yeah. terrible starts to the year. And they're DHs that aren't hitting. Like, at least Whit Merrifield's, like, fast and plays a little bit of defense. You know what I'm saying? Like, these yeah, guys, fast. their job is to only hit, and they're and not they hitting. Exactly. We, we could do that. Any of, any of us here could do that. I could be a bad DH. I'm in. <laughs> okay, so you ready for this, though? Yeah. XBA expected batting average for Whit Merrifield 257. So he's actually good. He's he's a he's, really good player. Borderline so all star. Borderline all star this year, hitting the buck 51. He's having a great month. And maybe you know, that, you know why 
you know why the expected batting average is wonky with him is he's actually hitting the ball like harder than he ever has. So it's a, it's weird. It's, it's just, he's hitting it harder. So the expected batting average is better, but, but at the end of the day, you got to actually put the ball in the, in the gaps and he's not doing that. And uh, he's not even close to that, Uh, but he is playing some decent defense and he's swiped three bags. So yeah, I think that keeps him out of the worst place or the, the LVP, but he's, he's flirting with it. He, he ranked fourth for me. It was really Fran Mill, yeah. Nelson Cruz, and then you got, I yeah, had to throw in Whit Merrifield. The DHs that aren't hitting have to be have to be in the, the, the top. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, I, and I couldn't just continue to pile on more DHs that aren't hitting because there are still some DHs that aren't hitting. There are a lot of DHs that aren't hitting. There's the universal DH killing baseball. Nah, no, man. Leadoff man Daniel Vogelback is the DH for Pittsburgh. That's He's been hitting better than all these guys on this list. Should I move into the pitching? Yeah. Yes. Move into pitching. The first month of the year, Cy Young Award <laughs> finalists. We got Carlos Rodon, number one. We have Joe Musgrove, number two. Dylan Cease, number three. But for the Cy Young, I'm giving it to Kevin Gosman. He leads all pitchers in F-War at 1.9, and the next closest is 1.3. He has a 2.27 ERA with a 0.50 FIP, 41 strikeouts, zero walks, Kevin Gosman is unhittable right now. He's this year's Corbin Burns out of the gate. Seriously. You know what I'm saying? It's like the, it's the strikeouts, no walks, like the, the crazy thing that we, we thought we wouldn't see really. And he's doing exactly what Corbin Burns did last year in that regard. It's pretty, pretty freaking crazy to watch. It's kind of fun. What happens when you throw strikes and have good command, right? 31 and two thirds innings, no walks. Like you mentioned, he has given up 31 hits and 31 and two thirds. But you can work around base hits if you throw strikes and you get outs. The other thing, too, he doesn't miss his spots to the point where he doesn't get burned when he is within the zone. No bombs against him. 122 hitters he's faced. Zero home runs allowed. Zero walks. Zero home runs. He's striking out a lot of guys, obviously, but he's working around base hits. I'm all the way here for what Gosman's doing. And I think this is... It's not sustainable, but I think what he's doing in terms of attacking hitters is where he's living in the strike zone and he's dropping the splitter out of the zone. It's it's insane. He's absolutely surgical. Like if you look at the if you look at the heat maps, the slider, it's red hot on the outside corner. Dude, the split exactly finger is the doing. opposite corner, red hot. Fastball, it's elevated and and off the middle of the plate. And then the changeup is red bottom of the zone. Like he is hitting every spot. It's unbelievable. He's probably got the best command. You got You could say maybe in Major League Baseball, period. So there's this feeling. I know, like talking to a decent number of pro pitchers, and like I'm sure you know, I felt it at some point in spurts, like in high school, right? Even when you're in Little League, if you are pitching and you feel dialed in, you feel like you're closer than 60 feet, six inches to the plate. You feel like you're 54 feet, 50 feet. That's what Gosman's throwing like right now, where he can literally walk his splitter to where he wants to throw it. Yeah. And he's doing it. it. The perfect word there is surgical. You yeah. said it. He is he is flawless. He is surgical with the way he maneuvers hitters. And that's why he's had such a good start. I'm just surprised that I mean, I'm not surprised that he had a good start. I'm just surprised at how good the start has been considering he throws his fastball almost 50% of the time and batters have been hitting 377 against this fastball this year. Yeah. So, so the, the splitter, splitter go to it. Yeah. The splitter has been great. So I, I'm a little worried. I, I hope this continues, but he he's either going to get better and guys are going to stop hitting the fastball or he's going to get worse and guys are going to continue to hit it. 
I'm, I'm, it's just, it's just something I noticed. It was like, wow. Well, what, what's crazy though is he, yeah. he's phased it out even more from last year. I think he was yeah. throwing at like 52% last year. So yeah. even just phasing it out a little bit is enough to, to help him, I think, improve. And, you know, it, the more confidence he gets in those secondaries, I mean, maybe he phases out the fastball even more, but you know, it's also kind of that, that tone setter, as long as you can keep it in the yard, it's, it's worth it. And uh, it's doing just that for him right now. So, you know, you can look at all the severity of contact measurements with Gosman, right? So far this year, I mean, he's got a higher average exit below against him than he did last year. He's, I, his line drive rate is up about 9%. So you can look at severity of contact, but honestly, at the end of the day, and it like, it sounds so painfully simple. He walked six and a half percent of hitters that he saw last year. He's walked zero guys so far yeah. this year. It is all about not walking people. Walks suck. They suck so bad. Don't they're do bad. It. I agree. I don't, I don't like walks. I hate it. They're stupid. They're a waste of time for everybody. <laughs> They're stupid. But the guys on these lists don't really walk anybody. Next is Carlos Rodon. He was one of our finalists. Three and one record, one five, five ERA. He's got 41 strikeouts in 29 innings. He had his lone a sort of bad start against the Dodgers. Six innings, two earned runs. Ugh. Carlos Rodon is one of the best pitchers in baseball right now. Two innings against the Dodgers or two runs against the Dodgers is horrible regression what's what's wrong with this guy i mean if it weren't for that start he, he we could have made the case for him to be in there instead of gosman you know like he was that There's lights a- out every single outing so far this year it's been so fun to watch again might i point to zero home runs hit yeah he hasn't given up a home run yet he hasn't given up a home run yet it's kind of incredible joe That's- musgrove is another guy who is 4-0, hasn't lost yet, and has a 197 ERA, has 33 strikeouts to 32 innings. I mean, I just the fact that he can throw his slider 30% of the time as his main pitch and nobody touches it ever. It's one of the best sliders in the entire sport. So you can take your victory lap about Verlander. Um, and you did that yesterday. I'll take my victory lap about Joe Musgrove because that, yeah, that right was my dark now. horse guy. Cause you could see him in Arizona during spring training, just carving through dudes. And the fastball looked unbelievably strong. And we know how good the slider is too. This guy's pitching for a fat ass contract. And I love that. He's he going to get a fat ass contract because he deserves it. He made that tweak with the, with the slider, uh, in the shape of it and also just the usage of it just before the trade. Uh, and, and that was something that I know the Padres identified. And that was part of the reason why they targeted him. And uh, those adjustments to his arsenal have really just taken him to the next level. And now, you know, he's getting more, more innings under his belt with this new looked arsenal. And now it's like third season really with the major tweaks that he's made, he's really settled into who he is as a pitcher and kind of mastered who he wants to be. And that's why I expect this to continue. I also don't think people realize how big of a dude he is. He's 6'5", 230. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You would have no clue that he's 6'5", 230 without looking it up. It's like, oh, yeah, Musgrove's like 6'2", like yep. kind of skinny. No, that, that dude's a massive human being. Yeah. He's a horse. And another guy who actually is 6'2", 200 pounds, Dylan Cease. He's our next finalist, 3-1 record, 2.48 ERA, 39 strikeouts, 29 innings. This guy could lead the entire league in strikeouts as one of the best curveball fastball combinations in the sport. Yes. So he, he's going to be the strikeout king. I'll, I'll say that right now because that's, that's what he does. He sells out for strikeouts. So, you know, he's going to have 12 strikeout outings where he walks five over, I don't know, five and a third, five and two thirds. That's what Cease is. That's what I, I've known Cease to be. The contact, the, the hard hit rate is going to be low because his stuff is so gross. But the question is, can he rein it in every start? Can you rein it in for 30 starts in 2022? 
And I think the answer is no, but when he's on, he's appointment television. And I think everybody knows that. He's been fine in the, in the walk department so far this year. I mean, the best he's looked thus far. And I mean, you know, you're signing up for two or three walks, a start, but if he scatters those, you're in good shape. It's when it got to four and five last year was when he got into trouble, but so far it's been two or three walks in every single start this year. So I, I think that's extremely encouraging and his stuff's so good that if he keeps it there, he'll be more than fine. You'd like that number at one or two, but two or three, like baby steps, right? Yeah. Let's get to the losers. Get to the losers. The yeah, El Bozo, Sion. El Ratio Bozo. El Ratio Bozo Award. For the finalists for the El Ratio Bozo Pitcher Award, number one is Herman Marquez of the Colorado Rockies. Then we have Eliezer Hernandez of the Miami Marlins and River San Martin of the Cincinnati Reds. But the ultimate L plus ratio plus Bozo Pitcher Award goes to Patrick Corbin, the Washington Nationals. He's got the worst ERA in baseball at 7.16, and he hasn't won a game. He is 0-5. He has 26 strikeouts, though, in 27 innings, but he's got a 1.81 whip because he gives up a bunch of hits, a bunch of home runs, and a bunch of walks. He has been absolutely dreadful. Um, I, I, I watched him, like, kind of carve through the Marlins. Um, like, I watched him go, what was it, against the Fish? I, I, I have it up right here. Six innings, four hits. Two earned runs, eight Ks. Okay. Um, yeah, he did that to the Marlins. Uh, so you, you remove that start. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a disaster. And it's crazy because the start before that, he had given up seven earned runs in one and two-thirds innings. I, I, I do root for Corbin because he's a cool story. He didn't really mm-hmm. play baseball until the end of high school. Yeah, uh, Central New York guy, too. Central New York guy. Then went, to, the then went to Chipola um, before you know getting his opportunity in pro ball. Got his bag, uh, but man, he, he looks lost out there. But you guys are haters because he just went eight innings. Eight no, innings. He went of- seven. He, he seven. went seven, and here's why I know this. He went seven in Denver. No, it was eight. It was eight. It was eight. It was eight. eight. I'm looking at it. It was eight. So I guess Dazzling. okay. Yes, he went eight in Denver, and they were down five two. I was watching the Nationals broadcast with Bob Carpenter, and I wonder. I it might still be FP Santangelo. But Bob Carpenter got on this monologue for a moment um, when a reliever came out for the, uh, what, the ninth inning, I guess. No, he would have gone seven. Dude, I'm looking at it. Against the Rockies yesterday? Yeah. No, he didn't. (laughs) I'm mind blown right now. Yeah, complete game. You got the complete game, Al. Oh, that's right. This conversation was happening in the top of the ninth inning. Um, yeah, Bob Carpenter said, if the, if the Nationals tie it up this frame and they're down three, they're down five, two, um, you know, I, I think you should send Corbin out for the ninth inning. And I was like, oh, why? Like, he just gave up five runs in eight innings. And his reasoning was, there was a point in baseball, and it's certainly not today, where instead of just turning right to the bullpen, the starter and the manager could have a dialogue and ask the starting pitcher whether he wants to come out because he's only thrown 89 pitches through eight innings. But we don't live in that world anymore. And then they just moved on. Like he was begging for Patrick Corbin out in a 5-5 game if the Nats came back from down 5-2. Dude, he just let up five runs in eight innings. You're down 5-2 with that guy. Why do you want him on the mound? He got his ERA down to 7.16 in that outing. He's trending in the right direction. Uh, 
I'm I'm buying low on Patrick Corbin. I think he finishes with a six ERA this year. That that Bob Carpenter quote isn't even taking us back to the 1980s or the 1990s. That's taking us back to old Hoss Radborn. He's going <laughs> to throw 14 inning games. Doesn't matter how many runs he gave up. What are we talking and, about? And get the L. <laughs> yeah, and get so, the L. What are we talking was, about? Was he the highest ERA among qualified starters last year? Yes, Corbin. Yes. So this could be back-to-back years with the highest ERA among qualified starters. That's kind of lit. So far, that six starts, <laughs> 27 and two-thirds innings, 37 hits. And I don't, I don't need to look at the, the walk numbers. I don't need to look at the strikeout numbers. All I need to look at is he's giving up 12 hits per nine innings. <laughs> that's horrible. There's going to be someone out there, though, that's going to say, well, peep the FIP, though. Peep the FIP. The 3-3-1. He's actually been very good. He's actually so. been, been a good pitcher. He's been a very good pitcher, but how about I, I, a guy? I mean, Herman Marquez, he's terrible, guys. He's been downright terrible this year. 6.92 ERA for Herman Marquez, second worst in all of baseball. He's 0 2. He's not striking out guys. He's walking guys. He's, I mean, he's not walking a ton of guys, but he's just not striking anybody out. There's just nothing positive for me to say. The fastball, he throws it right down the middle. It just gets blown up. He can't yeah. pitch at Coors anymore. It's just none of it's good. I don't know what you want me to keep bagging on. None of it's good. No, let's let's go to hits per nine again. 12 for Patrick Corbin, 13.2 for Herman Marquez. Oh, yeah, I love it. And then how about uh, Eliezer Hernandez? Uh, dude yeah, you that- want to talk about that? Yeah, I would love to. Um, he should not make another. He should not make another start for the Miami Marlins unless unless there's doing? something crazy that happens uh, that takes out like three starters and one fail swoop. Like there's no reason that Eliezer Hernandez should start another game. They have Max Meyer with a 170 ERA in AAA, punching out Ronald Acuna on three pitches in a rehab start. Like they need to call up Max Meyer. Eliezer Hernandez is the only weak link in this rotation right now, and. And he's been horrible. He's been absolutely horrible. He has two pitches, and one of them's bad. Uh, so it's just like I, I don't, I don't understand. What's the re- uh, you're saying you don't understand? So maybe you don't have an answer to this, and like maybe nobody does. But do you know the reason why they keep putting him out there? Because I think they're gonna keep doing it, right? Until until they want to call up Max Meyer. <laughs> really? I, I, I don't know when that's. It should be in the next two weeks. I'd be floored if Max Meyer's not called up by the middle of this month. Do you um, think Eliezer Hernandez is better than the Marlins doing an opener? I would rather him just go and be a middle reliever. Yeah. He's got a good slider. Just throw that slider 10 times and get out. Hey, how close is Edward Cabrera to being back? He he was sitting 98 in his first rehab start, um, touched 100. Uh, he should be back in the next couple of weeks too. So Where was that? Was that with Jupiter? Yeah. Or that was with, uh, yeah, I think it was with Jupiter. Okay. Low yeah. A. Low A. But All just, right. I don't. The hitters are imaginary for me. When 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 a guy like that's making a rehab start, it's like yeah, they're no, shadows. Stress, stress it's a bullpen. 100. Yeah, the the poor low A guys that had to face ninety eight from Edward Cabrera though is is pretty funny. I think about the Degrom rehab start all the yeah, time, all the time. <laughs> and but our last finalist, San Martin, he's zero and four with a thirteen point seven eighty ERA. He probably should have won this award. Okay, so the good news for you is that Raver San Martin is starting in Indianapolis on Sunday against the Indianapolis Indians for the AAA affiliate of the Cincinnati Reds. So he literally pitched so bad to the point where he got optioned down. And he got optioned on the Reds. 
are starting three and 22 who need arms. They literally, they, <laughs> they just called up Albert Almora and Ronnie Dawson to fill the spots of Nick Senzel and Tyler Naquin who went to the IL. Jack, we were just talking on yesterday's episode, Albert Almora, you saw him in center field. He hit three balls over 95 miles an hour. As soon as that happened, he's up. Dude, <laughs> dude was raking. Dude was ready. He's hit, he was hitting like 380 through his first like 15 games in AAA when he came up. I I don't want to say that I think Albert Almora is good. I don't want to say that I have faith in Albert Almora, but I will say that Albert Almora has shown traces of talent in his career, and I think that there is a chance that he is better than some of the outfielders that Cincinnati has run out. I think he's shown correct traces of talent. Yes, is that fair? Yeah, traces of talent. Little snowflakes of talent. I thought that was a pretty nice way to put it. Uh, yeah. Well, so Raver San Martin, the only thing I'm going to say about him is when your arsenal is dominated, it's changeup, sinker, fastball. The hell is that? <laughs> they all move the same. <laughs> they all do the same shit. It's going to be oh. challenging. Oh, no. All right. Let's move on to the rookies. Rookie of the month. Finalist for rookie of the month. Stephen Kwan with the Cleveland Guardians. We got Jeremy Pena with the Houston Astros. And we have Seiya Suzuki with the Chicago Cubs. But ultimately, Joe Ryan takes rookie of the month, has a 1-6-3 ERA. He's 3-1. and one. He has 28 strikeouts in 27 and two-thirds innings. This is not a guy who normal rookie comes up, maybe deals with command issues or is privy to the home run ball. None of that stuff. He looks calm, collected. He's not walking anybody. He's not giving up hard contact. Everything looks awesome right now for Joe Ryan. You really can't go wrong here. There's a lot of rookies that are doing well. You could easily give it to Seas Duke. He's got a 138 WRC plus. But right now, when we have a pitcher who has an ERA under 175 at 163, give me Joe Ryan for rookie of the month. Okay, so pretty much identical sample sizes between 2021 and 2022 to this point. 2021 with Minnesota, he had five starts. He threw one fewer inning. In those five starts in 2021, average exit below against him, 86-3. Opponent slugging, 347. In five starts through 27 and two-thirds so far this year, average exit below 84-6, so down nearly two miles an hour. And opponent slugging, 271, so down nearly 70 points. And you look at the batting average, they're pretty much identical. 168 last year, 167 this year. So it hasn't been guys are hitting the ball all the time. OBP for opponents is higher this year. It was 210 last year, 245 this year. But the severity of contact, the extra base hits, they have not been there. It's singles that are getting guys on base, and that is perfect for Joe Ryan. Well, and the big thing with Joe Ryan is, you know, he's a guy that that really makes his money uh, and gets his outs through that that rising fastball. Like that's what even though it's not 98, it's really 92 to 93. It looks like it's way harder and it gets it plays up big time and it's hard to pick up out of his hand. It's kind of that similar to Nestor Cortez, that invisible that really takes off. So when you're a guy like that. If you're leaving it over the middle, if you're missing your spots, you could be susceptible to the home run because it's easy to backspin. He gave up four home runs in 26 and two-thirds innings last year. That was really the only reason why his numbers weren't more close to what we're seeing this year. As Jack mentioned, severity of contact is down. Only two home runs this year. 
And that was really the only thing for him. So he's already doing what, what he does. And, and that's why I, I'm for sure in on Joe Ryan. Okay, is he going to be a sub two ERA guy? Probably not. Uh, but I think he's going to be a guy that should be a solid number two. If he has to be the number one for the twins right now, that he's more than capable of being that guy. And when you look at now through the first 60 something innings of his career, 58 Ks, 12 walks. Uh, It's refreshing to watch guys like this that are just pound the zone, efficient, effective, and a great get by the Twins in that Nelson Cruz deal. And the only reason that they got Joe Ryan was that the Rays were on a roster crunch. I can promise you the Rays were not thrilled to part with Joe Ryan, uh, but they were on a 40-man crunch and they had to. There you go. Now Joe Ryan might win the Rookie of the Year, but for right now, Rookie of the Month because Seiya Suzuki um, could win it in the National League. Yes, but one for his last 24. Yeah, mm. and yeah, and he's one for 12 in May, but one for his last 24 is a little bit longer of a sample. Ooh. And he hasn't hit a home run since the Cubs were at Coors Field on April 17th. Yeah, he right now he's 250, 365, 475 with an 840 OPS. So he's still playing well over this entire season so far, but yes, has been struggling mightily lately. He was at... So he's at an 840 OPS right now. His OPS was 1,024 on April 28th. That's not long ago. It's crazy. It shows you how quickly this stuff changes this early in the season. And also, it also shows you how difficult it is to be a rookie in Major League Baseball because the game adjusts to you. And then you got to adjust to those adjustments. Stephen Kwan is going to be able to fight through those because it's impossible to adjust to Stephen Kwan uh, and Jeremy Pena even when he's not hitting, is going to give you a ton of value. I, and that's what I love about him. Okay, so do you remember what we were talking about with Seiya Suzuki um, at the beginning of the year where he was seeing so many pitches and he was walking all the time? Yeah. Seiya Suzuki has walked once since April 20th. Jeez, that's real bad. So he's getting challenged in the zone. It's not necessarily a you know leave outside thing. I thought it was really funny. So uh, Boog Shambi, who has been on, um, who's been on outside the box with, with Jeff you and Conine. Jeff Conine. Arm. And we're yeah. working on, he's agreed to come on. I can even say this. Now. He's agreed to come on the just baseball show. He's just busy, obviously. So we're going to, we're going to make that happen at some point in this season. So he was on Parkins and Spiegel, um, which is my uncle's show, Matt Spiegel, who's been on this show before. Um, he was on Parkins and Spiegel two days ago. And Matt Spiegel asked him, um, you know, are they just making the adjustment? Like, let's throw it down the middle to say Suzuki and see what he can do. And Boog literally responded and said, did you actually ask me that question? <laughs> like, it's just like, what? Uh, but I, I get what he was trying to ask there. Um, he is getting challenged in the strike zone. He's getting, you know, it's here are some strikes, hit it right now. And he's not walking. They know how good his eye is. And he's not putting the ball in play hard right now. And that's why he's won for his last 24. He'll be okay, though. I I still think he's just too good of a hitter to not be. I think, like Arm said, he the league is going to make adjustments to him, and then he'll make his own adjustments. And I think those adjustments will be good. I think right now he's at an 840 OPS. I think that's kind of what he finishes the year at, in my opinion. You think it's much lower, Jack? Well, no. I mean, wait till the pitchers make adjustments to the adjustments. And then, and then he'll make in, another in July, the adjustment to the adjustment to the adjustment. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a crazy cycle for the next 10 years. <laughs> Baseball is chess, man. But uh, now what, what I will say with say uh, is, is in the early going, you know, there wasn't much of a report on him and, and now you're playing the Cubs. That's the guy, one of the guys you're game planning for, right? Like, it's not like this is a loaded offense. Well, no, come on. Who else are you game planning for in the Cubs offense right now? 
Ian Hatchwindell. I, I don't. I want to be careful with Nick Madrigal. He can. He can. He can make you pay. Yeah, um, he might hit two he singles. Can, <laughs> he can make you pay with a ground out to second. Now, like that exactly. So you're you're game planning for Seiya. So you know he's getting more focus put on him. It, it's just that simple. But I agree. I think he'll be somewhere in the high 700s, low 800s, which is a great first year in the big leagues. And he is he's a phenomenal talent. He's gonna be he's gonna be a really good player for a long time. Another phenomenal talent, Stephen Kwan hitting 328, 419 OBP, 443 slugging. He doesn't have a home run. He's probably not going to hit that many in his career, but this is a guy who could hit 300 every single year, has very similar bat-to-ball skills, in my opinion, to Michael Brantley. I think this guy could win a batting title one day, and he's just fun to watch because he's just – he's the old brand of baseball. It's refreshing. striking out at all. He's just – it's a good at bat every single time. If he gets out, it's not, oh, we just struck it on three pitches and strung it, swung it three straight sliders in the dirt. No, it's a six. It's a seven pitch at bat. And then it's a ground. He's putting the ball in play. Uh, Stephen Kwan is becoming one of my favorite young players. Before Arm runs with Kwan, I just want to say that so far this episode, we have acknowledged that not walking people is good and that putting the ball in play is fun. So we might be ending modern thinking in Major League Baseball. Wow. Uh, our, our, listening, our listening demographic just just aged by 10 years. Yeah. I think. You know what? I feel good. I feel like yeah. we just changed history today. <laughs> it's a, it's just a balanced thing, man. Like I still want dudes hitting nukes. Don't get me wrong. I want I want the the Aaron Judge bombs and the Stanton bombs, but like balance it out with some Stephen Kwans, who by the way, average MLB zone contact. So it's just percent of the time that you make contact on pitches in the freaking strike zone, is it average is 82%. Stephen Kwan is 96.3%. 96.3. You're not putting one by him in the strike zone. I've never heard of it being that high. So you want another crazy stat? Average MLB whiff rate is 24.6%. We talk about this damn game. These guys just don't make enough contact. 7.5% for Stephen Kwan. That is less than a third of the league's average whiff rate. Those guys are out there. The Stephen Kwans of the world are out there. You know, like, I'm not saying elite, elite basketball like Kwan has, but there are guys that are taste breakers. You don't need nine guys that have a whiff rate at 25%. Look at Jeff McNeil right now. Jeff McNeil's putting the ball, ball in play. He's doing well. You want to talk about Jeremy Pena, our last finalist? Yes, he slowed please. down a little bit, slowed yeah. down a little bit. He's hitting 229, 301 OBP, 470 slugging, mm-hmm. but he does have five bombs, and he's one of the best defensive shortstops already in the game, ranking yep. in the 97th percentile and ounce above average. He's even got a stolen base. He's got 14 RBIs, finished out with a 771 OPS. The bat, he's been chasing a lot, but he's been walking a decent amount, and he's just so freaking fast and he's such a good defender that you're right arm you said it earlier he can provide you so much value without even really hitting but he is hitting for some power it's just the bat to ball hasn't been completely there because he is chasing a lot yeah and this is a guy that only played 30 games last year right in triple a he, he got hurt he had a wrist injury cut his season short and that's after no 2020 season uh so he really had a very short minor league career and it's a testament to the fact that he's even you know able to stay afloat at the big league level is really impressive. If you guys remember when we were talking about the Astros and just talking about rookies going into the season, I was saying like all the Pena has to do is run into some homers 
and play the defense that he's capable of, and he'll do more than fine for this Astros team at shortstop. And he's doing just that. I mean, we're seeing, as, as you mentioned, Peter, elite defense. He's still slugging and running into baseballs. And this Astros lineup doesn't need him to be consistent 24-7. As long as he's giving them production, he has the speed, he's an elite defender, you're going to be fine. And this is a guy that I think is going to get better and better as the year goes on. And uh, if this is your seven hitter or wherever they want to put him, but if this is your seventh best hitter, quote unquote, you're in great shape because he's given you so much value on every aspect of the game elsewhere. I'm also curious to dive into him. I'm sure somebody either with the athletic or with like the Houston Chronicle or something has dove into Jeremy Pena because he was born in the DR, but he went to high school in Providence, Rhode Island. The dude went to university of Maine. What shortstop for the Houston Astros goes to university of Maine. The answer is Jeremy Pena. Um, I would like the batting average to tick up a little bit. Like, I don't think he's a 230 guy. I think he's a 260 guy. And if he's a 260 guy, I mean, that's, you know, behind Joe Ryan. That's your AL rookie of the year at the moment. Yep. Absolutely. Especially with that club, man. He's so fun to watch. Dude, he's so fun. Let's talk best teams in baseball because we have our best team in baseball and, of course, the three finalists. Then we have the worst team in baseball and our finalists for that as well. Is it the Reds? (laughs) Spoiler alert. We're saving it. The finalists for best team through the month of April – Number three, we're going with the Brewers. Number two, we're going with the Mets. And number one, we're going with the Dodgers. But the best team in baseball through the month of April has been the New York Yankees. They have the best record in baseball at 18 and nine. They have a plus 49 run differential, which is second best in baseball to the Dodgers. They are first overall in WRC plus. They are second in staff ERA, and they are third in bullpen ERA. The New York Yankees are the best team in baseball right now, people. Jack. (laughs) Aram, <laughs> um, I agree. I, 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 I just like I wanted. I wanted to see if Jack had anything to say because honestly, I agree. Um, they, they are the best through the first month of the season. Are the best team That's in baseball right now. If you look at pitching, if you look at hitting, if you if you just look at every statistic, they're the best team in baseball right now. Um, does that mean I they're my favorite to win the World Series? No, but you know, yes. I, I I was talking to Peter about this. I, I'm 100 sold that this Yankees team has a shot. Um, and it would be naive to say that they're not the best team right now. Uh, I really think that they've made that clear through the run that they're on. Of course, this is super fluid and could change really quickly. Uh, but when you are among the top three teams in in most pitching stats and metrics, and you're among the top three teams in most offensive metrics, and your bullpen is elite. Um, how are you not the best team in baseball? I will say offensively Hicks hitting what 270 right now is massive for them. Isaiah oh. Connor Falefa hitting 295 is massive for them. It's the production from places that you were not expecting to be productive spots that that's big for them. But I really think the story of the season so far has to be on the mound. It, it has to be with the starting rotation, with the way that Nestor is throwing, with the way that Jordan Montgomery is throwing um, and with Tyone and Garrett Cole being pretty solid. Cole is the fourth best guy ERA wise in that starting rotation at the moment. And then you look at the bullpen too. Chapman has yet to allow an earned run. Clay Holmes has a sub one ERA. Miguel Castro has a sub two ERA. Michael King is one of the best pitchers on the planet right now. It's, it's ridiculous to see how it's all clicking at the moment. And you're right. 30 days in, the Yankees are the best team in baseball. I just want to know how this is sustained. It's sustained through pitching because the pitching in itself is so deep. I'm not saying they're all going to continue to have ERAs below two, but I think that this is a, I think this is a sustainable model. 
because even when they don't hit, their pitching comes in. They have the bullpen to back it up too, which is also super deep. So they're just going to keep pitching. And whenever they hit in spurts, they won't lose because their pitching is going to be so good and they're going to put up nine, 10 runs a game. That's how they won 11, 12 in a row. And in games that they aren't hitting, it's going to be close one run games. And the Yankees have improved on defense with the addition of Josh Donaldson, IKF at short. Jose Trevino has now been a great catcher, at least framing the ball for the Yankees. Not quite offensively yet for Trevino. Don't even need to look at the stats. But also, I mean, I, I watch every inning of Yankee baseball. Whenever he has a hit, it's always clutch. Like it's always when we absolutely need a Jose Trevino hit. When it's no runners on two outs, yeah, he's getting out for sure. Absolutely. But when you need a hit, Jose Trevino is there. Just everyone is filling their role this year. Guys like yeah. Marwin Gonzalez, yeah. you know, even Tim LaCasho just filling roles. This feels like a different Yankee team. And dad, if you're listening, I was right because my father told me this was the worst Yankee team of all time, that they did nothing over the, they did nothing over the off season. And this team is just going to be worse than last year. And I said, dad, the Yankees started last year with Jay Bruce at, at first base and Gio Rochelle at third base. Now it's Anthony Rizzo, who's one of the league leaders in home runs, and Josh Donaldson over at third base, who's, a, who's just as good a defender in my mind. Yep. And I think Donaldson's, Donaldson's going to get going too. Like, I, I still think Donaldson's got a lot of juice left in the tank. And mm-hmm. once he gets going, I mean, this offense is scary. It really is scary. And uh, don't forget, Jason Dominguez getting called up in September. Yeah, that, no, just kidding. It's a 70 WRC plus in low A. Um, but I, I do really like what we've seen from Connor Falefa. And we talked about it before, right? How, how I loved how candid he was, where it was just like, yeah, I was trying to be something. I'm not. He's a bat-to-ball guy who's going to pick it for you. Uh, and now he's kind of accepted and embodied that. And we've talked about it in the past that the Yankees never had those glue guys over the last few years as much. And they've got their glue guys this year. I'd even consider Aaron Hicks a glue guy. Uh, and of course, IKF is in that department. Marwin Gonzalez, as you mentioned, they've got more glue guys and it, it's a big difference maker when you've got the big boppers who could be a bit inconsistent. Last thing I want to mention though, is I mean, don't sleep on uh, the, the resurgence of DJ LeMahieu. Yes. Um, that is absolutely massive. I know we all were in on him bouncing back this year. We all believed it was that, you know, a little bit of an injury plagued season. And uh, it's, it's nice to see him really turn it around because I don't know something about the way he carries himself. I'm always, I've always just been a fan of the way he he plays the game. Quick game for Peter to play right now. There are 16 pitchers that have thrown a pitch for the New York Yankees so far this year. Four have a negative war. And of those four, I just want to rip off their names. And you tell me if you have faith in them being good for the Yankees this year. Fair. Yes. Lucas Litke. Yes. I do have faith that he is a good pitcher. He's a good left-handed reliever. Yeah. Chad green. Love Chad green. Yep. Jonathan Loisega. You know, I'm all on the, all aboard the Loisega train. And Marinaccio. Ron Marinaccio is. I believe. Yeah, I believe. I so believe. I think he throws gas. Just he has no command right now. Absolutely yeah. not. Okay. So that's three yeses and a maybe of yeah. the four. No, but it's, it, no, it's four with a negative yeses. war. It's Those are the four, four worst pitchers by value in terms of war. And you have confidence in three and a half of the four. Guys. And those three that you named, Litke. Well, green. green and Loisega, those are the three best relievers in the Yankees' pen last year, besides maybe Clay Holmes when they got him over. But th- that's what we're talking about here. The negative yeah. war guys are some of their best arms. So there's even some guys who are going to get better. The Yankees are set up for, I don't know if they'll win the division, because I do think that the Blue Jays are going to get hot and win like 60 in a row with Correct. that offense and that pitching. But I do think that the Yankees will be in the playoffs, and I think they're going to be a tough team to beat. 
yeah, just just be be the home team for the three game set, and you're you're fine. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next one of the other finalists, the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, what? They have the best run differential in baseball. You want me to go through all the guys who are good? Yeah, they're all pitching well. Walker Buehler looks great. Julio Urias looks great. And, you know, the addition of Freddie Freeman's working well. Like, Kershaw's doing that. The best team in baseball, they're probably going to win the World Series. I I was so annoyed. Kershaw's doing that thing where he just continues to add on to his Hall of Fame legacy. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, the Dodgers are good. Yeah, and we thought Freddie Freeman, you know, moving from Atlanta, how's he going to play the Dodgers? I mean, no one actually thought that. No one thought that. Bellinger even looks good. (laughs) Yeah, Freeman slashing 299, 386, 483 slugging. He's got three bombs, five doubles. He's been awesome. Trey Turner's Turner's been off to a bit of a slow start. And that's off to a little bit of a slow start, and they're still killing it. That's at what? And I couldn't be less concerned about a Major League Baseball player off to a slow start than Trey Turner. Yeah, he's just so automatic. There's there's just no concern for me. And then also, I mean, Cody Bellinger is starting to show some signs of life. And like, again, like looks really solid again. So uh, if Bellinger is even somewhere around where he's at, like over the last three weeks, which is more of low to mid 200s, really good defense and center. Again, just watching him run balls down at there is so impressive. And he's starting to hit the ball hard again. He doesn't need to be that great for them. He doesn't even need to be an MVP. He just needs to be decent. And to be honest, nobody's playing that well for them offensively. I know they, they don't have a single guy with an OPS over 900. Doesn't like not matter. a single one. Freddie Freeman's at 869. Then you got Chris Taylor at 806. Nobody else is over 800. So nobody's you playing well. Been... Yeah. Okay. No, no, no I was just going to say, um, it, so you say Trey Turner was off to a slow start. This guy reached base safely, like 25 straight games to open or like 20 straight games to open the year. Yeah, he's slashing 261, 309, 375. That's a down year for him. That's like horrible. that's a down start. And you know who's been terrible for the Dodgers? Justin Turner, slashing 183, 225, 256. Muncie. Muncie's been terrible. And yet they're the second best team in baseball. That's and, how good they are, people. And and here's the crazy thing. Last thing I'll say on them is like even if Turner struggles and like let's say he's just over the hill, which I think will be fine. They have Miguel Vargas, who's <laughs> mashing in triple A. Uh, and then they have other prospects that can just shove on the mound and it's just yeah it's it's not fair didn't pepio just win like minor league pitcher of the week or something he went off in his last outing now he's like a guy that perceived reliever risk carving uh so i mean it's 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 insane you know who's been really really good the milwaukee brewers the milwaukee brewers they got off to a little bit of a rough start but the pitching, of course, is still one of the best in baseball. And the offense has not been great. The offense has not been great, but there's a lot of guys who I think will start hitting soon. A guy like Lorenzo Kane is off to a rough start. You know, Colton Wong, Kesson Cura, and Willie Adames, you know, he's 223, 330, 468. He's having a decent start. Yelich just went yard. I mean, we're recording this on Thursday to release really Friday. So he homered today, 434 feet off Hunter Green. Hopefully he's getting going. So not a lot of the bats from Milwaukee have gotten going, but the bullpen has been awesome in the starting pitching, of course, now with the addition of Eric Lauer. I mean, not addition, just the re- not resurgence yeah. either. Just the the, the, the new look. Greatness, the yeah. climb to greatness. The ascension. The ascension of Eric Lauer. And, the, and then the, oh, we also, uh, it's Quartet. I remember we were talking. Yeah, about, yeah. I saw someone. Yeah, our, Peter yeah. and I couldn't figure out the word for like a, like four people. We were just were blanking out, and we just like took the L. We just moved on, and someone a bunch of people replied to us and like it was quartet. 
And when I got like, duh. Well, I saw on Twitter, one of my guys that is on the Connor Joe bandwagon with me, um, he tweeted out like a barbershop quartet and he crudely photoshopped uh, Eric Lauer, Freddie Woodruff and Burns all on the same thing. And he said, I I present the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. Peter and I just forgot what, what a quartet was, but that was funny. That's that's why you need me there. Right. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I hate to pump my tires there, but, uh, No, listen, all you Rowdy Telez haters, look me in the fucking face and show me who you are. <laughs> Arm braces, Sam. I'll wear it. I'll wear it. I wasn't a believer. No, I mean, that guy, it's ridiculous. He's, he's a he's beast. Let's get Rowdy. 13. Let's get Rowdy. Colby, Colby Olsen, apologize to you. Um, I went back and forth with Colby on this guy, and I was like, dude, I believe in the power, but a first baseman who doesn't walk is just not exciting to me. He's not walking still. But like he's just crushing everything. So I mean, I'm in on that. They need him to be that. Uh, they still need another bat. But again, this team's built for the regular season. It's just they they need it. They need another bat. And I'm gonna be interested to see if they go get one. Another guy I just want to shout out right now, Luis Arias just he's took back. Hunter Green Yard. He's back. Third he's game. That guy is huge. stroking huge. the ball right now. Huge. huge for them. And once the bats get going, I mean, the Brewers are one of my top five teams over in wins. That 89 and a half was straight up disrespectful, and they're already on their way. The Mets are the last finalist, and probably the Mets are the, I guess, third best team in baseball. I'd put them ahead of the Brewers and right behind the Dodgers, or would you guys put them in front of the Dodgers? No, I think that's fair. You think that's fair? Arm, what do you think? I, I, with the way the Dodgers are hitting right now, like I, I, I think you could put the, the Mets ahead of them. I think you um, could put the Mets ahead of them, too. I, I really like what we've seen from the Mets. Uh, I think you could put them ahead of the Dodgers, and the Mets are, are really clicking on all cylinders. And, and I like what, what, we, what we've seen from them because Tyler McGill, I, I have a great piece for any of you Mets fans. Uh, Ryan Finkelstein, our managing editor, put out a really awesome piece diving into the improvements that Tyler McGill has made. Uh, but you look at the pitching, it's sound. The bullpen looks really solid. And we know how good the lineup is. Jeff McNeil is exploding. Like they're doing all these things. And Starling Marte hasn't hit well. Uh, Pete Alonso hasn't really been himself yet. I really like this Mets team. This is a different team, and, I, and I'm all in on Buck Walter as a leader. But, yeah, I mean, flip a coin. Uh, both those teams are powerhouses. And I, talk about some of the more low-key signings, I guess, in the Mark Canna and the uh, Eduardo Escobar signings. Both, yeah. I mean, Mark Canna is hitting 338 right now. Eduardo Escobar is slashing 253, 364, taking a ton of walks. And he's slugging 407. He's got a triple, a bomb, and nine doubles. Eduardo Escobar has been shooting doubles off the wall. And then, of course, the rest of their lineup has been kind of amazing, except for uh, James McCann. James McCann ain't hitting nothing right now. Yeah, but you got you got Francisco Alvarez barreling through double A right now. So (laughs) there we go. Um, I do want to shout one thing out. It's on the mound. It's in the starting rotation. It's the continuity of quality starts. Yeah. from four starters so far with DeGrom out. So you've got Tyler McGill, six starts. He's gone 33 and a third. So that's about what? That's like a little under six innings per start. That's like five and a third, five and two thirds innings per start. Max Scherzer, five starts, 31 innings. That's north of six innings per start. Chris Bassett, five starts, 31 innings. Carlos Carrasco, five starts, 30 innings. Their starters are going six innings every single day. That's massive for them, especially with DeGrom out. Massive. I mean, just getting all that length when you have – and then when DeGrom's coming back, he's coming back in what, week and a half? 
Apparently. think it might be another, yeah we can have two he was very they, encouraged by his mris they said. take your freaking time man like take your time the mets are fine I, the, the NL East looks like a shit show right now. Take your time. The Marlins are in second place at 12 and 12. DeGrom, please get right. Now we move on to teams who have not done well through the first month of the season. So here are the finalists for the worst teams in baseball through the month of April. Number one, Baltimore Orioles, two, Detroit Tigers, and three, Kansas City Royals. But the worst team in baseball through the month of April is the Cincinnati Reds. They are three and 22. Are That's we sure true. they're the worst team? Yeah, they are three and 22. They have the worst ERA in baseball. They are last in WRC plus. And they're also the defense hasn't been good either. And I, I, I went to, I was, I was thinking, oh, they probably are last in ERA and WRC plus when I go to the fan graphs to look. And it's not that they're just last. It's that they're so much farther in last than everybody else. Like they have a team ERA over six and a WRC plus, I think arm at 60. Compared no, to it's extremely de- for second worst. I mean, just way worse than everybody else. Not even almost close. You know, it's extremely depressing with, you know, so the way that fan graphs is oriented, um, if you go to hitting stats and obviously pitchers don't hit anymore, but the way it's still oriented, where if you go to hitting stats, it, it sorts it by F4 leaders, right? So it's going to be all the F4 leaders that have accumulated stats as hitters all the way down to zero. And then when you get to zero, pitchers just load in for whatever reason. And then below the zero would be hitters that are negative. So there's pitchers sandwiched in between positive war players and negative war players. You have Tommy Pham at 0.5 F4, Tyler Stevenson at 0.2 F4, Matt Reynolds at 0.2 F4, Brandon Drury at 0.1 F4. And then it goes to Justin Wilson, a reliever, because everybody else on the Cincinnati Reds as a position player is a negative F4 guy. So the fifth player that comes up on the fan graphs page for or the table for the Cincinnati Reds position players is a reliever because he's better than the other position players. Cause his F four is zero. It's so embarrassing. That's just like getting owned by, by stats. Uh-huh. Another owned by stats moment here. Uh, let's get, let's get super simple. The Reds have given up more runs than anybody in the national league. The Reds have scored fewer runs than anybody in the National League. And isn't runs what baseball still counts with? So Not if you've the- scored less than everybody and you allow more than everybody, that means you suck more than everybody. And just to go a little bit deeper into that, the answer to that question, 87 runs. That's the run differential. Oh, negative 87. We haven't played that many games here, people. We've played like 20, 25 games. You guys don't have staff ERA in front of you, do you? I don't. Okay, I can, good. I can very quickly. No, I've got it. I've got it. Don't do it right now. Okay? You're not looking at it? Not looking. Um, all right. The Reds have the worst staff ERA in baseball. The second worst is Washington. What do you think Washington's staff ERA is? 5-1. 5-6. 5-1. Washington's got a 5-0-6 staff ERA. Cincinnati, what do you think their staff ERA is? I know it's high. The second highest is Washington at 506. What do you think? 72. I'm going to go 67. 686. Ooh. How does that happen? How do I know Raver San Martinez how it happens, but how does it happen? 
Tyler Malley being one of the worst pitchers in baseball is how Hunter it happens Green. too. Hunter Green. Yeah. Hunter Green. I mean, Nick Lodolo. What I tell you about the, what I what I tell you about the long balls with Hunter Green. Dude. Yeah. I warned. I warned everybody. And and then he, he came out, and I was like, oh, oh shit, maybe I was wrong. And when the fastball is flat, doesn't yeah. move, but it's a hundred. But any big leaguer can get his bat on a hundred. I warned folks, and then but but here's the thing with the Reds. At least they have their offense: 201, 267, 316 slash line. <laughs> Shut up. All right, we're done with the Reds. Let's move on to the Royals because we're just being mean at this well, point. None of this is fun. How, how do we finish yeah. with the worst team? Oh, I'm miserable. Yeah. I'm having a blast. No, but we <laughs> we we uh to finish it off, we have the uh, Aaron Nola Award. So that's actually going to kind of oh, be yeah, a humor true. award. So we got the Kansas City Royals at eight and fifteen. They have a negative thirty nine run differential. Um, I think the most surprising thing to me about the Royals because we knew that the pitching would struggle, but the fact that nobody hits in this lineup. Yes. Um, I mean, Oliveris, their leadoff guy, has been great for them so far. And Ben Attendee has even had this kind of resurgence as well. Yeah, he's been great. But besides that, it's a bunch of 220 hitters and below. I mean, Salvador Perez is hitting 167 right now. And I know he's got five bombs and four doubles. But besides that, he struck out 30 times in 90 at-bats. Um, yeah, you've, you're DHing Hunter Dozier. Uh, we said that from the get-go, like, why is MJ Melendez not up there? They called up MJ. Uh, he already picked up his first hit in his first game. So, like, I, I think MJ is going to give them an offensive upgrade. I really do, because Dozier was not good. Uh, and Salvi, you know, that's not a guy that don't, you know, if he's not catching, do you need him in the lineup every day right now? Like, probably, but he's not giving you much. Carlos Santana <laughs> is brutal. Like, br- he only walks. He does nothing else. It's weird. Like they don't need him up there either. And you have Nick Prado who could probably come up and at least do that with better defense. So, you know, at least they have some better answers. We talked about what Merrifield already. And, you know, no matter how you feel about him, he's, he's not going to be worse. <laughs> he's going to be better. Uh, so I, they're, they're not as disastrous. Daniel Lynch has looked pretty good, but I mean, yeah, this is not a very good team, but at least they've got some of those prospects coming up. Do you guys know that, Aldeberto Mondesi has played 358 games in seven years. Yeah, it's sad. He's going to play zero more this year. He's going to play zero this year. He's a guy who's played over 100 games once. He was healthy for that entire 2020 season. 35 games in 2021, 15 games this year, and will most likely miss the rest of the year with that knee thing. At some point, the Royals should probably move off Aldeberto Mondesi. I think I'm not sure now. how they're going to do that, over. but it's right now. I think yeah. it's over. I think it's over, especially with Bobby Witt. Um, and, and, you know, now what we've seen from Nicky Lopez in, in his glove, at least it's, it's sad, but it's the case. And I think the Royals are really going to regret not selling high on Whit Merrifield. Uh, do you know like, the, the return that they could have got for Whit Merrifield just a year and a half ago? Oh, through the roof. Teams were calling left and right. They could have got multiple top 100 guys with his, you know, how cheap he is with the control, with the production, with the versatility. They opted to hold on to him, and uh, you know that's something that that really could have been a franchise-altering trade for the better. And now they just have a guy who looks like he's really got a poop during a city edition uniform unveiling. Yeah, he did not look comfortable. No, he looked like he had the runs during that photo shoot. (laughs) Let's talk about the Tigers. (laughs) Let's talk about the Tigers because the Tigers are one of the teams that are one of the finalists. I mean, they're eight and fifteen. Arum. Time for you to dance around the ashes, kind of like we've been doing a little bit. I mean, Jack and I were, were much higher on the Tigers. I mean, of course, it's not over yet. We have a lot of season to go, and being 8-15 and 15 doesn't mean that they're going to be one of the worst teams overall in baseball. But right now, they're acting like it. They can't pitch. 
the hitting has been hey, non-existent hey, they're not playing much defense once you get off the starters they can pitch once they're down 5-1 they can pitch that's the thing they have the best bullpen era in baseball right now it's kind of incredible yeah. behind michael fulmer gregory soto but that bullpen is usually cleaning up losses after they're down 4-2 and they end up losing still so when you have a great bullpen and nothing else and i think that's what you saw arm yeah, you know, well, it was between that and, you know, also Tarek Skubles are great. But yeah, for, for me, like, again, I'm really excited about the future of this Tigers team. But it was just the, the reliance on just following rookies so closely all these years. Like the over-reliance on so many young players to, to really be able to produce and carry you guys. Like you guys, if you're the Tigers, just it just seemed like too much, right? Torkelson, we knew, was, was not going to be really good right out of the gate. Like it's going to take some time. Riley Green's hurt now, but even if he was there, is he going to be a guy that's carrying your team? Probably not. Uh, Akil Badu is second year player who skipped the minor leagues, essentially like that's he had, he comes with some ups and downs. I, they're, they're just not there yet. And uh, the pitching, I mean, Erod, Erod needs to be a lot better than what he's been for this team to, to hang in there. And he just hasn't been. Um, and oh, we'll, we'll get to Erod in a moment, uh, which of course we are. But uh, yeah, I mean, the pitching is just pretty thin in the starting area. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see how Alex Fiedo continues to, to look, though. He finally got his debut um, and he's healthy. And I'm very interested to see how Fiedo looks because he's a former first round pick and uh, looked decent in his first start. I think Fiedo is a good pitcher uh, in that rotation with Florida. I'm sure you remember that arm. I'm sure you remember some of that, Pete, like everything that Singer had with stuff and he didn't have with pitchability, Fiedo had with pitchability and he mm-hmm. didn't have with stuff. So they I wanted they the Marlins to grab him. I wanted the Marlins to grab him. I'll be honest. I, I was pretty pissed that they didn't. Yeah. I have a bet with Colby. Erod over under 3.8 ERA. Which one do you think I have? You've got uh, the over. I think you got the over. I have the over, and I'm feeling pretty good about that with his 5.33 ERA. Are, but the you're fit, not worried about the fit? I am worried about the fit because, no, I mean, what are we doing? I mean, it's just good. I was teeing we're you get, up to say no. <laughs> I know. I know. We're going we're gonna to get into the, we're going to get into the fifth discussion again, but. To end it, because we talked about the Tigers, but now we got to talk about the Orioles, who are now last in the AL East. They're just getting beat up on by every one of those great teams, the Yankees and the Red Sox, the Blue Jays and the Rays. They are 9-16. and They have a negative 23 run differential. You know, I think the most surprising thing about the Orioles is that the power output has been almost minimal, and this is usually a team that raked last year. It's just the problem that they couldn't pitch and their bullpen wasn't great. But I wonder if moving this left field back, you know, 15 feet, it must be something. I don't know, really. But I think the reality is that they just haven't been hitting home runs. They haven't been slugging like they most normally do. I mean, moving the walls back couldn't help. It it couldn't help. You you combine that with the baseballs. So let's say you move the ball, the wall back, however many feet it was. That compounds with the the baseballs. has to have a difference. And, And the funniest part is, Offense was the Orioles' strength last year. I thought, like you mentioned, they, they could hit home runs. They could put up runs and munches. Their pitching is, over the last two, three years, is some of the worst we've seen consecutively, I think, in a long, 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 long time. So now they, they can't hit. They still can't pitch. And they're a disaster for that reason. I, I like a lot of their individual pieces. Santander continues to look great, uh, but even his slug output has been bad. Uh, Cedric Mullen's slugging output's been been much lower than normal. Uh, Mountcastle has been horrible, but he started poorly last year too. 
so it's just one of those things where I look at that team. I'm like, the only thing that they had going for them was the occasional offensive explosion. And now they can't do that. Uh, they like hurt themselves. Uh, but you know, you build a good team. They'll be fine. It's just Jake, not, not yet. Can I walk you guys through the Jorge Mateo experience real quick? Yes. Con. Jorge Mateo in 24 games has struck out 27 times and he hits for no power. What's the pro? Uh, Another con. Another con. Jorge Mateo has a 571 OPS. Pro. Well, 600. This dude runs so freaking fast. It's unbelievable. Fast in baseball, right? Yes. Stolen base machine. By sprint speed, he's the fastest guy in baseball and he's seven for eight in swipe backs. He's. 80, 80 grade speed on fan graphs. I mean, you know who he is. He's draw Dyson with the Royals. It's just in a kind of a different version now, just like one of those. No, he's Billy Hamilton. Can- Let's be honest. He's, he's Billy Hamilton. He comes up and he can't get on base, but when he's on base, oh my God, it's awesome. That would be great for their playoff run. But the thing <laughs> is, what I will say about the Orioles is that although they haven't pitched well in the past, they have been pitching pretty well this year. Bruce Zimmerman. Yes, yeah. lefty with this changeup has been great. I like Tyler Wells. He hasn't performed well, but I test. I'm like, you know what? That's not a bad pitcher either. Spencer Watkins is fine. You know, they have Jordan Lyles, Jorge Lopez. I'm just really intrigued with Bruce Zimmerman and the fact that they may have a real pitcher there. And I like Tyler Wells. You know, I test results not as much, but I test. He's looking good. Yeah, I mean, Bruce Zimmerman's been awesome. Um, I mean, that's, that's a huge development for them, right? I mean, to, to, to be able to have that guy come out because you know, you're, you're going to get Grayson Rodriguez up there soon. And there's no doubts about him. Uh, DL Hall, you know, you, you hope can contribute. You can start to see the pieces coming together here, but it's a huge, huge development to have Bruce Zimmerman throwing the way he is throwing. And I'm, I'm, I'm liking a lot of what we've seen from him so far. I, I definitely think he could be a solid middle of the rotation type of starter for you. All right. Question for you guys. Do you think <laughs> we were just talking about Jorge Mateo? Sorry. Um, I, I agree with you on the Orioles pitching and I think Zimmerman is fine. Um, question for you though, real quick. Do you think Terrence Gore? Cause that's where my mind went, right? I was like, Hmm, what playoff team is Terrence Gore going to sign with because they're going to win the world series because that's what yeah. he does. He's the pinch runner on a world series team. Uh, Terrence Gore. Do you think he has more career games played or played appearances? Played appearance. Oh no. Games played. Yeah, it's got to be games played, right? It's, it's games played. So this guy uh, has appeared in 102 games. He's got 77 plate appearances. He's got 40 stolen bases. That's, That's incredible. So That's that, that brings me back to Herb Washington was his name. Um, was, that, was that the guy that was the track runner? He was He was the runner that uh, Oakland got. Yeah, um, the track. Yeah, he was, he was an Olympic runner. Yeah, Herb Washington, Olympic runner, appeared in two years of Major League Baseball with the A's. He played in 105 career games, 1974 and 1975, as a 22 and 23-year-old. 105 career major league appearances, zero plate appearances, zero innings logged in the field. All this guy did was pinch run for two years, his entire major league career. 105 appearances as a pinch runner. The guy stole 31 bags. Not one plate appearance. Not one plate appearance. Not I don't think you know how to swing a bat. He didn't know how to swing a bat. He was a major league baseball player who didn't know how to swing a bat. That is he was caught stealing 17 times. That tells you that jump matters. Um, yes. But 31 so, stolen bases. That is the only stat that he has to show. And he's Ron's the worst player in major league history. I'll stand by that because he, he legitimately, <laughs> the only thing he did was steal bases and he didn't even do that well. So like, yeah, that's, it's wild. 
And we have really good news also from Loop, which you know we have had that link in our description. And if you haven't downloaded it yet, if you download the link in our description from Loop, they're giving you 20 bucks right now. And, and if you want to just put it in your URL, it's loop.cards backslash just baseball. And right now those $20 can go to a spot in a break uh, to, to buy. You could probably rip a couple of packs with that money on what has just been released, Bowman Baseball. People are chasing after all the different prospects in there. But Wander Franco also has an autograph in that. And it's this rookie autograph. Uh, and I just got a, a message from, from Loop, from the guys at Loop. And somebody pulled a Wander Franco autograph out of five. Uh, so if you want to use that $20 and take your shot, uh, they're pulling some heat on there. Uh, and $20 can get you a, a decent amount of uh, cards to open. I've already dropped. I'll be honest. I will always be transparent with you guys on here. Yeah, I appreciate um, that. I dropped three hundred dollars, and Good. and like Loop's not paying me to, to to. That's my that's my money. Like that that was not discounted. Uh, I used the twenty, so two eighty. Uh, but okay. yeah, I dropped two eighty. Uh, pulled some solid base cards, but nothing nothing of note yet. I feel like everyone else is pulling the fire, so you guys should go ahead. But uh, really exciting prospects. One guy that I just did a dive into that I'm really excited about. Um, that I was not expecting. James Wood mm-hmm. has been insane. And James Wood's card of the Padres organization, is it's his first autograph in this set. And James Wood looks absolutely nuts. I don't know, Jack, have you done like a James Wood dive yet? I tweeted a video that got into like Padres Twitter sphere and it's been blowing up, but his cards are skyrocketing. Everybody that's pulled his cards now, everyone's trying to buy them up. They're going for several hundred dollars. Yeah, so I, I haven't done a wood dive yet um, because he wasn't going to be in Fort Wayne last year, and he will probably end up in Fort Wayne this year. He's shredding with low A Lake Elsinore at the moment, but wood is like, how much does he weigh? He's, six, he's 19 seven. years old. He's six foot seven, 245 pounds. There we go. 19 year old, six seven, 245, and he is a mobile outfielder. He More walks than strikeouts, of- and he's playing center, Peter. Yeah. This Excuse is me. This is what you call a freak show. So six, he, seven, two forty-five mobile center fielder. Correct. With more so walks judge. than punch outs. With more walks than punch outs. Yeah, he's literally Aaron Judge from the left side. <laughs> and he's <laughs> like, a you're hoping. You're hoping. Yeah, he's a lefty too. So uh, oh. you know what you're looking for in, in these with your twenty dollars, right? Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, I like that's, that. No that's wonder. a name I didn't even mention. In, in Bowman baseball, it's his first autograph in there too. So you've got the George Valera's of the world for my prospect peeps. I love George Valera, but yeah. I'm looking at James Wood now. And I'm like, if we're looking upside, this has got to be one of the names that you're hunting in this, right? I mean, like Peter, you haven't seen the guy swing once you hear the measurables and you're like, holy crap, right? Like I, I'm I, immediately going to go after this podcast, go watch him because just what you're saying, it almost doesn't make sense. It doesn't make, I, it I didn't believe it either. Yeah, I, I was, I'm hearing like, yo, you got to look at James Wood. You got to look at James Wood. I'm like, I, I haven't seen any video. I go do the dig and what I'm like, what? So watch out. Everyone's going to be hunting this soon. So when, when you go get your packs, if you pull some James Wood, I'll tell you what, hold on to that, hold on to it because his card is going to go up and up quick. And just in case this is your first episode of the Just Baseball Show, loop the app. It Think about it as a combination of Twitch and your local card shop. So you can go on the loop app and they're doing box breaks every single day. And a box break, they might break a big box of cards and they 
and they take them out each individual card. And if you have one of the teams, you'll get some of the players. So it's a great way to play around, learn more about baseball and just trade some trading cards. Cause it's awesome. Yep. And it's fun. And you could cash out. It's and awesome. the people in there are really nice. There's always like an active chat. And so, you know, they have all a different product there too. So what I ended up spending a lot of money on was 2019 Bowman draft. One of the sellers in there had 2019 draft and I was super amped. Yes. So started yeah. chasing after Adley's uh, and Riley greens and got some, some cards there. Uh, didn't get an auto, but got some solid base cards. So you can go after the 2022 Bowman baseball, which everybody, every seller on there has right now with an insane checklist. I put out an article on just baseball.com with our top five prospects to hunt in that checklist uh, to, to really hope that you pull Khalil Watson's the number one name that everyone's going after his first autographs in there. Um, but if you don't want that Bowman baseball, they've got everything else too. And they've got cards. Every seller has cards from every other sport as well. Uh, obviously we're going to pedal baseball a little bit more, but uh, basketball, football, whatever else, I think for May the 4th, right. They were doing even star Wars cards. Somebody pulled some crazy star. Like they've got everything on there and all you have to do is go in there. You click buy. Uh, and they open the cards right on video for you. You can see what you pull and they ship it straight to your door. It's that easy. And it's 24 seven. Use the link in our episode description. So Please. they know that we sent you use that link arm. Give us the URL one more time before we move on to the Aaron Nola award. <laughs> yeah. Loop.card slash just baseball. And the link is in the description as well. Well, and you know, the old saying are, um, uh, it's not the first 300 you spend on loop. It's the next 300 that are really going <laughs> to oh, cash in. For yeah. You. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely am planning on spending more. I'm going to see if I can utilize one of my friend's credits for downloading it. Uh, Cause I want to capitalize on that $23 credit. Hey, you mind giving me some of those credits? <laughs> Scratching my neck. The Aranola award. What do we Woo! think arm? I'll throw that one over to you because you had the idea, the biggest difference between FIP and ERA. And for anybody who doesn't know what FIP is, FIP is fielding independent pitching what it really does is it quantifies the three true outcomes, what pitcher pitchers could control the strikeout, the walk and the home run pitcher technically can't control anything that's going into the defensive play, but they can control how many strikeouts they get, how many walks they don't give up. And if they let the ball leave the park. So that's why FIP is a good way to kind of quantify, you know, what's the pitcher really controlling and, and how hard it's hit too, of course. Right. Like, so like that's obviously going to have a bearing on, on the uh, batting average on balls in play, which is always factored into this. Uh, so technically speaking, the winner should be Patrick Corbin. But since we've already bagged on him enough, uh, the, 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 the runner up who now gets the award because we have a limit, you can only win one award in this very important. This is basically the Oscars of baseball. I would say yes, Jack. I, I just want to be clear, though, Patrick Corbin. Um, so 716 ERA. 331 FIP because of the 37 hits he's allowed in 27 and two thirds innings, only one has been a home run. So this good. guy's just getting death by a million paper cuts, death by a million singles and doubles. Yep. Yep. On, on very, very, very <laughs> unfortunate. I, poor guy. Um, so Tyler Molly, Tyler Molly is the winner. Come on down and accept your award. 701 ERA 3.21 FIP. So objectively speaking, Tyler Molly is really good. Uh, positive F4 guy because of the FIP. Uh, obviously, Tyler Molly is a good pitcher. I think this is actually indicative of better days ahead. Uh, he's yes. a guy that is, is I think, proven enough. So, so we know that he's going to be fine. So the Aaron Nola Award is, is a little bit of bad luck, a little bit of just being a guy that all of the people that go very analytics heavy are going to side with longer, which I'm going to get to in a second. The winner is Molly. The runner-up, which is crazy, the second largest gap between FIP and ERA 
was Kevin freaking Gossman, which is crazy because every other guy on this, on this list has been, you know, underperforming because that's typically what happens when your ERA is higher than your FIP. But Gosman's ERA is 2.27. His FIP is 0.50. Very simply put, because as we talked about earlier, he's walking absolutely nobody. He's walking absolutely nobody. He is allowed zero home runs. Again, zero walks, zero homers. That is a recipe for success in the FIP department. 31 <laughs> yeah, hits, 31 and two-thirds innings. It's all singles, and he's stranding all those guys on base. And another guy that, who arguably could have had this award named after him, uh, Erod, Eduardo Rodriguez, the king of FIP ERA discrepancy, if it's not Aaron Nola, 533 ERA, 376 FIP. Here's all I'm going to say on Erod. At what point do we just stop saying like, and I think we're at that point, but at what point does the, does the general public and uh, the people that really, and again, analytics are a great tool, but there's outliers. Erod is clearly a guy that is always going to have a lower fit than ERA. Like he's always going to underperform his fit. I think we have enough of a sample size to attest to that now. I'm going to quote my, one of the co-hosts, Jack McMullen. Look at his pitches. None of them are that good. I remember Jack yelled that a while ago. <laughs> that was pretty good. No, it's like that you watch him, you watch him, and none of his pitches are that good. He just doesn't walk anybody, throws a lot of strikes, and due to that, he can get some strikeouts as well. So his FIP is always going to be lower. And especially in Detroit, he's not going to give up that many home runs either. So that's why everyone thought it was going to normalize a little bit. It's still not. Still not, not. because he's just not that great. Sorry. And and then the next guy, the last guy, this is where FIP's a good tool, right? Like Zach Wheeler, phenomenal pitcher, off to a bit of a shaky start. You watch the starts. He looks fine. You know, occasional miss spot, but looks fine. Uh, And 410 ERA, 3.05 FIP. Like, this is where it's a good tool. He's just had a a few bad bounces. Defense hasn't helped him in certain spots, which is going to happen with this Phillies team. Wheeler is going to be great this year. His ERA is going to be closer to what his FIP is. And that's what you can expect. And that's when this is a great tool. But congratulations to Tyler Malley for winning our Aaron Nola Award. And congratulations for Erod for just the guy never. He's unrelenting. He's unrelenting. He's He wants to protect the title. And he's making sure Tyler Malley is going to have to work hard to keep it. Before we wrap, I'm going to show the viewers the iPad because Eduardo Rodriguez throws a four-seam fastball 40% of the time. I just want everybody to see where he throws the four-seam fastball, okay? Do you see the zone? Because he throws it right down the dick. Every time. Right down the dick, 40%. It's all down the middle because none of it's that good. He just throws everything down the middle and hopes he'll swing and miss at it. So those usually don't. So with that, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at just baseball fans. Give us a follow on Twitter as well at just BB media. Ethan Badowski kicking ass on Twitter, by the way, Ethan Badowski absolutely killing it on Twitter. Shout out our guy, Ethan. He's also writing on our site. Great writer as well. A dual threat, social media and writing follow, join our chalkboard. It's our baseball group chat. That's in our episode description as well. We're giving out picks. We're talking baseball. Arms talking prospects, we're talking baseball cards, we're talking college baseball. Everything is in our baseball group chat. So we get to chat along about the game all day long. That link is in the episode description as well. Anything else before we go? I don't think so. Good weekend of ball coming up. You got Pirates Reds in Cincinnati. That's going to be awesome. And download that loop app. (laughs) Download the loop app. That is in the episode description as well. And with that, have a nice weekend, everybody.